Kia ora and welcome to the Female Career Podcast. My name's Anna Johnston and I work as a leadership and career coach for women. I'm looking forward to sharing with you an inspiring collection of career stories of a diverse range of women of Aotearoa New Zealand. I hope that by listening to these stories, you'll feel inspired in your own career. If you do enjoy the story, please head along to our website, thefemalecareer.com, where we have lots more stories of wonderful Kiwi women and their careers. We'd also love you to subscribe to our podcast so that you have all the episodes at your fingertips. And please do tell your friends and family about it too. For now, though, I hope you enjoy listening to this career story. I'm really looking forward to speaking today to Vanessa Deru. Manawatu-born Indian Vanessa is an equality champion with a strong sense of social responsibility. She holds commissioner roles with the New Zealand National Commission of UNESCO and the Library and Information Advisory Commission, alongside other advisory and panel roles for NGOs and government departments. During her career, Vanessa has held various leadership roles, including CEO of Volunteering New Zealand, Executive Director of 2020 Trust, and President of the National Council of Women New Zealand. Based in Wellington, she's a member of the Global BMW Foundation Responsible Leaders Network, Global Women New Zealand, and the Manawatu Regional Te Aho Tamaka Leadership Programme. Vanessa was made a member of the New Zealand Order of Merit as part of the 2021 New Year's Honours for Services to the Community and Gender Rights. And I'm really looking forward to hearing more about her career journey today. Kia ora, Vanessa, and thank you very much for joining me today. Oh, kia ora, Anna, and thank you for the invitation to join you. Wonderful. Well, the first question that I'd love to ask is to take you a little way back to when you were perhaps a child or maybe even to your teenage years. What careers were you thinking about or, or, or dreaming about um, for, for your future career? Sure. It's always a great question to think about what it was like back in history of your own personal life. I grew up as a typical Indian young person, regional New Zealand. So my parents owned a grocery store, uh, two of them while I was growing up. So we were surrounded in that kind of customer service industry. Certainly money, cash, business were, were things that were around me. I always thought that I was going to be an accountant when I grew up. And that's a hilarious thing now. Many of my New Zealand-based cousins and my brother have accounting degrees and I was the one that didn't go down that track. I'm far from accounting and being a financial expert, although those skills are really useful for some of the work that I do now. That's really interesting. And it's interesting to see how our backgrounds maybe influence us, but that we don't always necessarily follow the path that may have been potentially laid out for us. So tell me then a little bit about some of the first job maybe that you did or the first jobs that you held. Sure. Well, like anyone, lots of uh, jobs when I was in primary school, high school. The primary school role, as many may have just guessed, I got to work at my parents' dairy. So I do count that as my first job. But going through to high school and the odd jobs that you end up doing while you're a university student, my first job out of university was working with a government agency. And I joined as an executive director to a director uh, within a New Zealand trade and enterprise, so the government agency that looks after selling New Zealand to the world. And I was pretty lucky to get that role because the director that I reported to actually helped me in my final year at university and my design degree. So he knew me and um, that was really my in to get a role with him. And then this 
second job after that was something that he helped me get into as well, which was moving into the marketing team in that organisation. And I think New Zealand is such that it actually is often who you know. It's so important to build relationships. Definitely. And also to have those people who will maybe advocate or support you through to your next career steps. What were then the, the sort of the highlights, but also maybe the challenges of those first few years of your career? When you start your new a new job and maybe an office environment, I think just sort of understanding how organisations work was a real challenge. I was lucky to be surrounded by a bunch of managers uh, and people that um, were taking an interest in in my well-being. And I sat next to a, a manager um, in that team that I helped be the executive assistant for. And he asked me, what did I want to do? Because he could see me um, going out with my girlfriends and going to the gym and buying lots of clothes and not doing very much else, I guess, in my spare time and suggested I meet um, somebody to see if I could be on their board. And while that opportunity didn't work out through that connection, she, the person that he introduced me to, a woman, she helped me um, find an avenue where I could do some volunteer time and sit on my first board, which ended up being the YWCA of Greater Wellington. The challenge of seeing what I could do was brought to me by somebody that was sitting in a team next to me. And then later in my second role in the marketing team, my manager at the time suggesting that I join a youth leadership program that was run by Auckland University at the time was just another opportunity and challenged by her to say, what is it that you can continue to contribute in your career? And they were two really significant support mechanisms for me early in those first few years of my career that have really got me to where I am today. Wonderful. And so nice to hear those people almost seeing something in you that maybe you may not have even spotted yourself and believing in you and encouraging you to, to give some different things a go. That's right. And I think that encouragement early on, you know, it's just something that I have to value over and over again because your path and career or life often stems from something that has happened in the past, but also you can look back and say that was an opportunity I don't want to take on going forward. Yeah, I guess I hold some of those things quite close to my heart from early, from those early years of my career. Yeah, wonderful. And something like NZTE, it's, yes, it's public sector, but it's quite commercial in its outlook. And your career moved a bit more into the NGO sector. Tell me a bit about that transition. Yeah, sure. So while I was in trade and enterprise for about three and a half years, I joined a number of different organisations to volunteer. One I mentioned before, which is the YWCA of Greater Wellington. I joined their board. I also got introduced to a whole bunch of other organisations, primarily in the women's sector. But there was another organisation that I was asked to join following some work that I'd done with them, and that was uh, Trade Aid Wellington. So I was being exposed to a bunch of organisations from that strategic level, from the board view, the governance view. And when I was looking at these organisations and supporting at that level, I realised that actually I would love the chance to be in the driving seat and being in a leadership position and being paid to do that at, um, for another not-for-profit. And that was really my insight into thinking, what is it that I want to do in my career going forward? I do want a, a life in the not-for-profit sector. How can I make that part of my paid career? So that's really where that stemmed from, by being able to see from a governance perspective what organisations can do, looking at those roles, seeing people report to boards and go, yeah, actually, I could probably do something like that. Let me give it a go. 
Wonderful. And I like the way you sort of talked about it as stepping into the driving seat, which effectively if you end up in a leadership role, that very much is you're choosing, helping to create more of the direction, obviously usually in partnership with the board or the people that you work with. I was really interested to understand from your side, what is it that whether it's more broadly about the not-for-profit sector, or I know you've got particular interest in equality, human rights, gender rights. What is it about that you're really passionate about? I think it's the idea that you can create good as part of what you do. So many of us across the, the globe need to have a job because we need something to pay the bills. And I guess I saw the opportunity of if I could pay my own bills in a way that was also helping wider society, why would I not do that? What I saw quite early on as well is this, the not-for-profit sector, the community sector is not a, a place where you make a lot of cash or make a lot of money. So I knew that up front. So I wanted to make sure that I could adjust my expectations personally to be able to take on roles in the sector. And also, I guess, just try and move to the mindset of how much money do you really need to live your life in a successful way? And what does success really look like? And when you start asking questions about what does success look like in your life, you really then start to hone in on what is it that you're going to do with the available time that you have. And for me, available time includes my daytime during my work um, life. And so you really then, my view was I've, I've got to find a way to to work in the sector that I'm really passionate about, make some money, pay the bills, but also feel like I'm contributing. So that's really where my thinking led to and has led to over the last 15 years. And that's such a powerful question that, you know, what does success look like for you? And it often stops people in their tracks because it really makes them think because what success often looks like, if you think at a broader society level, so often we think about that in a financial and economic sense. Whereas actually when people really stop to think about those questions, it's much more often about the contribution they might make, how they might make a difference. Potentially broader success is often about family, friends, or it's a thought-provoking question to ask of yourself. It's a thought-provoking question, and certainly when I asked that question of myself, I was quite young, and I thought very hard and very hard with a bunch of people that were close to me on the leadership program that I joined at that time, which really put me into place. Like Having grown up, certainly in that business environment, success certainly being of that economic view, and really questioning people around me to say, well, what does success look like for you, and do I agree with that? And that can be different um, for different people, but certainly in my context, from an Asian family background, my parents both being Indian, and that viewpoint, as well as I guess the expectation that I would be going to university, the expectation that I would work for somebody else, that I would work perhaps in an organisation and do something different to others in my family because, you know, the background of my family, wider and broader than now New Zealand family members is across back, in, back to India and the type of lifestyle that they have. So really trying to think of, well, how do we marry some of those aspirations together and, and how can I contribute back? Really interesting and really interesting hearing about all those different influences and then how you reconcile those ultimately for yourself. What then was the, the path to the roles that you're doing today? Yeah, so the path that I've taken today and 
has been something that has been here for a long while. Like from my role, my first role as Chief Executive for Volunteering New Zealand, I, I really got exposed to issues and charities. How can we ensure that organisations are the best that they can be in order to do the work that they are there to do? So it's really led me to groups and organisations where I've seen an essence of something that I want to be part of to make it better. So the the work that I have recently finished um, over a year ago now, I uh, spent seven years on the board of the National Council of Women. And I got to that role because I had been meeting with a bunch of not-for-profit leaders, women, in Wellington regularly, just being there as support and networking, being able to discuss issues in our day jobs and really realising that actually this was a network that perhaps we could be opening up wider and further to other women in, in Wellington. And I guess it just sort of led me to the, the National Council Women because we were talking about which women's groups um, would would be, you know, good to, to kind of contact. And I'd been a member through the YWCA. And so it sort of led me to apply to get elected onto the board. At that time, also, the National Council Women had lost charity status and were really down in the dumps. As CEO of Volunteering New Zealand at the time, it was a huge issue with charities around whether other charities would also go down that route of losing charity status and what would happen. So I was keeping a, a close eye on that situation And by joining the board at that time, I was really able to give some support and some help to the organisation that was, you know, really hadn't done anything wrong and ended up having to take a couple of departments, government departments to high court and and win. So that was really the the chance um, for me to go, what is right in society and, and who who makes those decisions on what is right and what is wrong? So that was really the start of my advocacy thinking and I, yeah, I guess I, since then, the paid jobs that I've been in have all led to work that helps support organisations. So right now, um, my paid job is in the philanthropic space, but I've also worked with a number of charities, helping them with governance issues, membership strategies, funding strategies, and, and, and sort of been a, a support mechanism for a number of different groups. So that's how I would summarize what I've been doing to date. And that, of course, has led on to being appointed onto different other organizations like the National Commission for UNESCO and the Library Advisory Commission. And it strikes me there that, that you hold you wear a number of different hats and you hold a, a, a wide range of different roles and some of them might be more direct leadership, some of them might be more advisory. You know, what do you enjoy about that variety? Variety is often labelled the spice of life and to have a career that allows you to think about multiple different situations and support lots of different people was really what I wanted to do. I didn't want to be stuck in a in a day job where I went to work for 8.30 and then came home at 5 o'clock and I'd just been doing the same thing all the time. That was something that I didn't aspire to. It's something that I saw my parents do day in and day out. And I wanted to be able to, I guess, have a career where I was helping lots of people and at lots of different levels. And through helping people, you often get good at something or you get additional knowledge. And so the advisory work, I have to say, is probably some of the the work that I really enjoy 
because um, in some way you're not part of the governance team, you're not part of the operational team, you're just there to advise and um, share your knowledge. And over the years, I've been exposed to so many different challenges of different organisations, particularly in the charitable sector, that, you know, being able to support some people along the way is just a real honour. I like the way you described it as being a real honour. You know, ultimately, in that advisory space, you're helping people. You're trying to take some of the knowledge and experience that you've gained from all that wide range of organisations and tailor it to them to help them. Super. Now, you've talked about some of the things that you really enjoy about your work. Now, I know from my own experience and from speaking to so many others that, that careers also have their ups and downs. They have their tough times as well. What for you have been some of your toughest career challenges or, or moments? Yeah, I can think of three major um, hurdles that I've had over the last years. One is really stepping into my first chief executive role. Sounds great on paper, sounds aspirational to decide and accept that you're going to take on a chief executive role for a national charity. But really, when it's your first time in that role and you are the sandwich between the board and staff, it's a very challenging situation to be in. Uh, So that was pretty tough and certainly I didn't do everything by the book or was able to do everything as I had wanted to do but it was a great learning opportunity and hopefully people think that I did more better than not but certainly there was a really yeah a really strong learning curve for me around how do you work with people what challenges do you really prioritize over others and thinking about your own strengths it really taught me about or really taught me to value what I'm good at and to really acknowledge outwardly what I wasn't good at. So that was probably one of the tougher career moments The in terms of learning. The other moment that followed after that was in the second role that I took on with the 2020 Trust. During that role, I got incredibly sick. I was 32 years old and I got shingles through an immense amount of stress that I put on myself, but it was also coming from external factors. Managing yourself through a health situation when you're in a leadership role is super challenging and also incredibly challenging when you're young and you don't necessarily know how to do that. And reaching out for support, reaching out to others to say, hey, look, I need a hand. That's a skill that I learned at that moment and being able to to reach out to people, which took a little while. It didn't, ta- it didn't happen overnight. That took a long time to just really go, okay, it's okay to ask for help. And this is the moment that I need the help. So really being able to observe observe that. And the third area where I really found work being pretty tough was in the role of the National Councilwoman. I was appointed by the board to be the president, uh, and that was back in 2017. And I was the first woman that was under 50 years old, first woman of um, a different ethnicity, and certainly the first woman that didn't come from a formal education background. My background in education is um, more practical. I've got a design degree. And those that served in the role before me are very strong academics or come from very traditional backgrounds. So the biggest challenges there were really in the race space. Yeah, facing a lot of racism, particularly by the organisation itself and the membership. It's a broad brush organisation. It serves the its membership reaches over 500,000 people in New Zealand. And they've got over 60 national members that are organisations as well as a multitude of branches and individual members. 
So it was a huge grouping of people, but certainly not a very diverse crowd when I first started. So that challenge to to overcome racism, to overcome ageism, to overcome what people perceived of what I could and couldn't do because of how old I was or what background I came from in terms of my career was really hard. And it's, it's certainly something that I take on today. And I learned tons from that role and serving on that board for seven years. I was president for two and a little bit of that moment. But yeah, just really put into the deep end of leading an organisation where there were people within that organisation across the membership and within the actual organisation that didn't didn't want to support me. Very, very tough. Yeah, it sounds really tough. You talked about kind of racism, ageism, maybe some bias about your background. How did you personally cope through that time? Well, that's where you draw on some of those other challenges and obstacles. So if I think back to being the first CEO of Volunteering New Zealand, what I learned there was understanding what you were good at and what you weren't good at um, and not trying to pretend like you were good at everything. So I really focused on my strengths and those were the strengths that I brought to the organisation. And I think those members that supported me in the role would certainly at this stage and even now say that's what Vanessa brought to um, the National Council Women. The other part is the the key learning that I learned with the 2020 Trust is who do you ask for help? So I spent a lot of time bringing on allies, stakeholders, and re-representing the organisation in a new light. The council was overcoming still the expectation that we'd been a charity that had done something wrong, that we'd lost charitable status. But certainly when we won the High Court case against the Department of Internal Affairs and Inland Revenue, um, we were able to stand in our feet and say, hey, we didn't do anything wrong, actually. And now we have to reinvent ourselves. I guess we thought about, at that time, what sort of person needed to lead that change and that view of what the organisation is. And people on the board at that time had that view in me and said, look, Vanessa, we'd love for you to take that role on. And Vanessa, can you please represent the organisation? So I took on that challenge. And then, uh, yeah, at that point, you've got to really bring in the people beside you and around you to help you and support you in the way. And I think when, as you said, if it's a time of transformation, a time of change, then a different perspective, a different voice to lead it through can be really helpful. But there's always that challenge of being a pioneer and the challenges that, that come with being in that role. It sounds like you have a busy old life in terms of all the different hats that you wear. How do you find some sort of a, a balance? And I'm guessing, particularly after, as you said, you sort of had that period of sickness, this, it may well have come more to the fore. But, you know, how do you find that sense of balance between your working life and your broader life? Sure, I think uh, this is where my life merges, really. And I don't think of my volunteer career or my paid career in any kind of different way. I just think that's the work that I'm doing for the communities that I want to be able to help and serve. So the difference for me is kind of that downtime, which is actually doing stuff for myself versus the work that I might be doing for others. And for me, certainly when I got sick a few years ago in that leadership role, it really made me think, what is, what's important here now? Is me running down um, my own health useful for people? Is it useful for myself? And generally the answer is no, it's not. So for me, it's about making sure that I've got the balance. Um, when I was in the role of the National Council Woman, I didn't work full time. I had a very lucky to have a very flexible work, uh, workplace 
that supported me in that role by giving flexible time. And I sort of negotiated that that's what I wanted to do if I was to help them in the work that they were doing. So it's about trying to work through what hours have you got available? How do you best want to use those? And sort of coming to the conclusion around what it is that you want. Thankfully, I've been able to keep those kind of part-time hours, which has allowed me to take on these other roles, the role with the National Commission for UNESCO, the libraries, but also with other groups and being able to mentor young women, being able to catch up for coffee when people uh, hear about me or see me on the street and say, hey, I'd love to pick your brain on this idea I have. I can give that time. And that's the stuff that really inspires and motivates me. It's being able to get on one-on-one with people, get one-on-one with organisations and listen and say, hey, that sounds like a great idea and support those people or go, look, why don't we spend some time thinking about some different ways of tackling that problem or issue or that situation? That's the stuff that really drives me. And so in order to be able to do that work, I have to manage the other side of um, contracted to do with such well employment agreements I've got, but also balance that with um, making sure that I've got time for my family. So look, life is pretty full. Yes, it is an understatement to say I am busy. But the other bit I've learned over the years is you just continue to say to people, oh, you're really busy, you're really busy. It doesn't really mean anything. One is, are you actually busy? And one is, are you able to arrange your time efficiently? And what I would say now is I've got to that point of I'm arranging my time efficiently. It has resulted in me not having a lot of uh, downtime. But what I do is make sure when the downtime is down, it's, you know, super down. And I think it is ultimately recognising there are only a certain number of hours in the day and where do you want to spend those? And it feels like a really interesting mix that you've got between that paid employment the really purposeful, impactful, more volunteering angle, but as you said, also making that time for yourself, which is sometimes the hard bit, uh, hard bit to do. But as you said, that kind of your health scare earlier on is probably reinforced to you that, as you said, you're not helpful to other people if you're not looking after your own health. Super. Yeah, that's right. And we've talked a bit about some of the toughest times. What have been some of your proudest career moments? Oh, wow. Look, I think... People would probably expect me to say getting the honours in the New Year's list 2021, being elected onto the board of the National Councilwoman, getting into my first CE role by the time I, before I was 30. Those are all certainly moments that you can be proud of. But some of the real proudest moments have been actually when I've supported a person. And a lot of the people that I support are women, without a doubt. But generally, people that I get to work with, one-on-one, mentor, coach, those are the proudest moments when they have achieved. And they've come back and said, hey, Vanessa, I really want to thank you for your early advice or for opening the door here or introducing me to this person or opening my eyes to this feedback. That's when I've really gone, you know what, I'm super proud of what I was able to do and carve out that that moment in time to offer that person that advice or that support. That's the career moments that I'm the most proud of. I think I've heard that a few times from people. It's not necessarily the kind of big external almost recognition moments that become your proudest moments. It's those one-to-one times when you've made a positive difference to somebody else's life or or organisation that actually stick with you and that you feel, yeah, actually I'm making a difference at the end of the day. Super. And where do you see, you know, you're still pretty young. Where do you see your career heading in the future? 
Well, I'm glad you still think I'm young, Anna. Look, I well, hopefully I still fit the young category. I'm certainly not in the youth leadership category anymore, youth adjacent. Career going forward, look, I'd just love to do more of the same. Certainly from a career aspiration, I don't have any real aspiration to sit in driving seats of be CEOs of organisations. I feel like all of that work in the past has really made me just consider what I'm great at, what I'm good at, and what I'm not good at, and what I'm really crap at, and being able to just use the strengths that I've got in the best way possible. And so I think that probably will end up being in the advisory space, perhaps some more coaching and mentoring more officially, because uh, the work that I do is probably more unofficial. You know, I wouldn't say no to a leadership role if it was in the right cause or the right organisation and at the right moment. So probably the career that I see in the future is going to be based on the environmental change. What does an organisation or a cause need and how might I be able to fit the strengths that I can offer? So I don't know what that looks like. I don't have the career plan that I did when I was 25. I am sort of more of the view of let's just see this this changing space and certainly we're in a changing environment right now with the global pandemic um, and economic opportunities that hopefully exist. Yeah, I just want to see where things lead me and no real aspirations at this stage. It's a really interesting one for me to hear you talking about it because sometimes there's a feeling from a lot of women of they've got to have this perfectly mapped out plan. And for some people, that's really helpful. At the same time, I like the way you were reflecting on it, which said, actually, I know really where my strengths are and maybe some of the causes that are close to my heart. And I'll find a way to continue to use my strengths for those causes as you go forward. It's a more of a fluid way of looking at it, but equally also more of an open way of looking at it too. Yeah. And I think just drawing on that, Anna, the idea that you um, have a career plan, I don't want to bust that idea because certainly when I was 25, I had a career plan. It was um, on a map. I've shared it um, far and wide with lots of organisations and people that I've um, supported. And people know that's what I did. That's how I got into my first CE role was by putting a plan on paper. But just like an organisation that runs through different business cycles or life cycles, sometimes you need very highly strategic plans and maps and actions. And sometimes you just need to see where things lead. So I'm a real believer that it's about the time, the space and place of a contribution of an organization is dependent on the future that they might lead or the the future that they might contribute to. I think the same goes to people. You know, life changes at a split of a second for some, for all of us. So I don't know tomorrow what might happen to my ability. I might have an accident. I might lose my role because there's been a massive change at the organization I work for. And you can't predict those things. We we live in a in a space now that actually so many things are not predict- predictable. So being able to be fluid is have to say, a luxury, and I'm really lucky and privileged to be in the space that I am. But that has come through me being very planned in the past. I like the way you, you talk about the contrast and the different times for those different approaches. Yeah, super. And one last question, if I may, Vanessa, um, what career advice would you have for other women? Oh, wow. I get asked this all the time and I always wonder, what is the person looking for? And since we're, we're talking to a bunch of people that um, are out there across Aotearoa, New Zealand, and no doubt further afield, you know, my first um, piece of advice around careers is you've got to be able to think about what you're good at and see if there's something that lines up with what you're good at. Because my motivation around the work that I have 
um, done and, you know, thinking about the jobs that I've held in the past, if I haven't been able to use my strength for me personally, I haven't been satisfied in the job. The second bit is that has to come up very close second to that is what is it that you want to learn and are you in the right space and able to do that learning. So you might be in a job right now where you are learning from lots of different people, but you don't get you don't feel like you get a chance to do anything that you're good at. That's still an, an important place in your career journey to have those moments and those jobs because suddenly if you move to a place where you're just doing everything you're good at, but you don't get to learn anything, it can be really demotivating. So it's about trying to find a balance there. And I guess the other part is keeping networks open. You never know when an opportunity might fall on your lap. And I mean, one of the, the best networking moments that I've had is I was in the role of um, Chief Executive for Volunteering New Zealand. Someone had invited me to an event at Government House. I had a huge day at work. I was exhausted, tired. I was like, oh gosh, I just don't want to go home. I mustered the energy to go to that event and I sat or stood in the corner with a drink and ended up thinking, oh, I'll just stand here for a bit and wait for somebody to come along with me. And thankfully, I don't um, advocate for that in terms of networking events, by the way, but thankfully somebody came to me and introduced me to another person. That person later, I found out, worked for the US Embassy. We had a coffee later. She worked in the Economics Division. And I was like, what would volunteering New Zealand and the Economics Division of the US Embassy have in common? Why would I meet this person for coffee? But I did. Uh, A few months later, this woman asked me for my CV urgently and said, can I have your CV? And I was like, what for? She said, oh, we've got an opportunity to send a woman that is interested in community leadership to go to the States for four weeks on a program called the International Visitors Leadership Program. And I was like, wow, that's awesome. Yes, here, I'll give you my CV. And really that's the story is I met somebody and then four months later, I was in the United States of America on an all expenses trip with the Department of State, learning about women in leadership in the community sector. And it was just prior to my um, taking on the, the president role at the National Councilwoman. It just was just serendipitous. It fitted. I got incredibly motivated. I got all this exciting information and understanding around women's leadership that happens in the States. Could see the good and the bad things. And I could think about what was it that I was going to do back here in New Zealand. And that, that was really the catalyst for me to go, actually, you know what? I will take this role on. It's a volunteer role. I'm going to have to change some things in my career and to enable myself to take it on. But that was the, you know, kind of the decision-making experience that made me do that. And that came from a networking event where I remember I didn't want to go to. I guess that advice around take the networking opportunities when you can. And that's super advice. And I think you never know where that conversation, that coffee, you never know where it's going to take you. You never know what might pop out of it. And it might not be in six months, 12 months. It might be in six years. You never know. You see keeping those networks live as well. Yeah, super advice, but also great advice there about balancing, using your strengths, doing something you're good at and you enjoy alongside that challenge, that learning, making sure you're being stretched as well. So wonderful advice, Vanessa. 
thank you so much for uh, for joining me today and sharing a bit of your story and your journey for the, for the podcast. I've really enjoyed it and really enjoyed learning. For me, my career was more commercial, so it's great to hear about your career path and the, the choices and, and thoughts that you've had in terms of more of a, a not-for-profit type career. So thank you so much for sharing that. Oh, kia ora, Anna. Thanks for the opportunity and hopefully the listeners out there have taken something away. Uh, it doesn't matter really, I would say, what your background is, whether it's not-for-profit or commercial or academic or anything else. And there's always something that you can learn from someone that's different than yourself. Yeah, there absolutely is. Thanks, Vanessa. I really hope you enjoyed this episode of the Female Career Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. For more inspiring stories of women of Aotearoa and their careers, subscribe to the Female Career Podcast via Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you like to listen so that you never miss a story. You can also take a look at our website, thefemalecareer.com, where we feature the stories. And if you subscribe to our mailing list, you can have career advice and inspiration delivered directly to your inbox. Thanks for your support, and I look forward to you joining us again soon.